You look like mm, Foghorn Leghorn. No. Well, I, well, 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 I say. Is that does his hair stand up like that? He is a rooster. Yeah, you look like Foghorn Leghorn. Well, I say. Ready to start? Yep. Are you gonna push play? It is going. Oh. Uh, um. Yeah, it's good hair. Is that rhubarb? No, raspberry. I can't taste it. I'm gluten free. You can taste it. You're not working tomorrow. You want me to just spend the day in the bathroom? Yeah, I'll text fine. you, Alex. That r rhubarb. Rubeus. Whoa, it smells sweet. Just like raspberries. Bleh. Founders. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. You're a Republican now. <laughs> uh, no, not that one. Uh, it's hard making friends at our age. Mm-hmm. I texted Alex today. I texted you. Why don't I always like talk to the listener and not to you? You're sitting here with me. I should talk to you. I texted you today and I said, don't freak out. And like you dot, dot, dotted, but then I was dot, dot, dotting and then you deleted it. I don't know what you were going to say. I don't either. Maybe you just accidentally put it another letter. But anyway, so I was like, don't freak out. If you look at my phone, yes, I've downloaded Bumble. The perfect cover. <laughs> I mean, you could look at my phone, but uh, this is not an ad for Bumble, first of all. I was like, you know, you and I spend a lot of time together, which I love. But we both think that we could branch out. So I downloaded the Bumble app because I heard that there was Bumble BFF where you can, like, find people and, like, talk to them and meet up. And you're like, yeah, we know that this is not a hookup. So I downloaded it today. And that was fun. Oops. Sorry. That was fun. It was basically like a dating app. I swiped <laughs> left or right, whichever which one is. And... Don't act like you don't know. You were doing it like well, an I had hour to, ago. No, but I had to like slide it and see what symbol would come up. So I really don't know which way. But it, just, it didn't also have the check and minus. It did, but well, yeah, I could push them, but I wanted to get the full experience. But then you would see which way it went. Also. Right. So I like slowly pulled it until like the watermark of the X or the check would come up. And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is the way I want. Or, oh, no, I need to go the other way. So I don't know which way is which. And... It's fun. I've like chatted with these girls today and be like, hey, and you know, it's pretty great. I like this. So maybe we'll make some new friends. We'll make some new friends. I'll make some new friends. Talk to two girls and they both like hiking, which is dope. We live in a good place for hiking. So I was like, you like hiking. I like hiking. Let's call the whole thing off song you say tomato i say tomato better better let's call the whole thing off i don't think that's how it goes in terms that's of melody weird name for a song no no that's the song lyrics i don't know how the melody goes though yeah but why would they call the whole thing off that's like saying scrap it get rid it of it it is because it's too different you say potato i say potato like we can't get we can't do this like let's call the whole thing off you don't know this song? No. Are you serious? Serious. Well, anyway, it's a song. A serious, a serious black in front of that death door. I hate you. I was like, please don't go to serious black. 
What did you do? You went to Sirius Black. Well, Sirius Black dying. Spoiler alert. It's rude. So that so that's new in my week. Bumble BFF. Making BFFs one text at a time. I'm down for that. We live in a world where you make... DTF. Down to friend. So down to friend. We yeah. live in a world where you make friends and other things on the internet. And I think it's okay. And so this episode's going to be episode 13, DTF. <laughs> down to friend. Nope, just DTF. Down to friend. Down to fun. Funk. Fly. Fart. Francis, why do you to share this calendar? You just got that notification of my work calendar? Again, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I thought it might be easier. Anyway. Listeners, if you want Francis' email, <laughs> uh, send not, us a re- that's email not where to you get uh, it. at gmail.com. This is not where you get my work and calendar. I'll, I'll, forward, I'll forward you her work calendar. No, it doesn't even say where I'll be in the world. So what's the point it just of says that? work. Wow, that's a great calendar. Well, it helps you to know when I'm at work. You don't need to know anything else except that I'm working. What's in your wheelhouse of the week? I'm sick. I know. I uh, just Instagrammed that you were sick. Nailed it. You know what helps kill bacteria and viruses? Uh, not a cocktail of DayQuil and booze, but that's, you know, what you're doing. You know what bacteria need to live? A host. I get liver psoriasis. They can't exist on me anymore. Oh my god. <sighs> um. So you're drinking. Rubeus. Rubeus beer, and you like Founders. it. You like yeah. it? Drink a lot in Michigan. You drink that? That yeah. raspberry one? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's fru fru, fruity. <laughs> you discriminating? No. I just don't like it. It's too fruity. I'm drinking a cocktail that you made that I had you pour out half of it because it was disgusting. In my stomach. In your stomach because it was disgusting. It's a take on a dark and stormy, I suppose. Should have gone with Gosling's and so we went with Bacardi. It tastes like I'm licking a shoe. Whose only good thing is 151 apparently. Ew, there's nothing good about 151. <laughs> disgusting. Uh, do you want me to go? Sure. Okay. So, last week, two things. First of all, for our patrons, I apologize. I was extremely low energy and tired and just not in my usual spunk. Which I will also say is totally genuine. Just saying. (laughs) In case you were curious. Uh, but I wasn't totally a hundred percent and so sorry, I was tired last week for that, for our supernatural tales. Just saying. Second of all, you said episode 13. Let's talk about what got us into true crime. Yeah, why not? Lucky number 13. So I thought about it. Well, first I forgot about it and then I picked a story and then I remembered and I was like, God dang it, Alex. Why did you say we're going to do what got us into true crime? Because when I thought about it, there's not one thing necessarily that got me into true crime. And if I were to say what case interested me most at first, it was going to be H.H. Holmes, which like eventually we'll probably do slash I'll probably do because claims dibs. 
But that was like not, this is not the episode for that. So I don't have my story for what got me into true crime. But I do have the story I started with, which I still think is a good one. We'll determine. No, it is. There's no determining. I've already determined. Okay. So there is determining. Yeah, but I'm judge, jury, and prosecutioner. Executioner. Oh. Are you sure? Yep. Oh, okay. I guess jury a judge is also prosecutioner, right? Yep. Okay. Well, whatever. Judge, jury, prosecutioner. <laughs> um I also, as a kid, thought that prosecuted mean, meant that your head would get cut off. So there's a sub shop downtown, and it says, like, loiterers will be prosecuted. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't spend more than, like, a minute in the parking lot or else I'll get killed. Big fan of uh, French revolutionary no. times. No, I just thought it meant you got your head chopped off. Bonita Jacks. Let's right into it. Bonita Jacks. She is a woman from Charles County, Maryland. In 10th grade, she dropped out of school, which at the time she was 17, which seems a little late for 10th grade. Aren't you like 15, 16, 15? You're supposed to start, you're supposed to start um, first grade at like five. No, kindergarten's at five. Okay, then first grade's at six. So whatever grade you're in is whatever. plus five. Yeah, so 15. And she was 17. Yeah. So she dropped out of school in 10th grade when she got pregnant with her first child, Brittany, who she did. It's Brittany, bitch. <laughs> she did have. Uh, they didn't mention who the father was. She also had a second child named Tatiana. Again, didn't mention anything about the father, but she has these two kids. She's working as a hairdresser at the time. And she meets a man named Nathaniel Fogel in 2000. Oh, I didn't say anything about her no, age. You just said I'm so sorry. Brittany Jacks. Or... I'm pretty sure she was born in 1974. What was her I name? I didn't write Jacks. Benita. Jacks. Uh, yeah, I think she was born in 1974. By 2000, she meets Nathaniel Fogel in her hairdresser line of work. And together, the two of them have two more daughters. Nakia and Aja, so she's got four daughters. Brittany, Tatiana, Nakia, and Aja. So the two of them started a little family together. And in 2005, Benita and her daughters are living with her mother, Benita's mother. But she kicks them out because she's like, oh, well, Nathaniel also has to live here. You know, he's the father of my daughters. They're not married, but... She's like, he's part of this family. Granddaughters? No, Benita's saying, no, She has. he has to live here. She's the. He's the father of my daughters. Hmm. No, she's talking to her mother. Yeah. And uh, she's like, I know, you know, we're not married, but that's our family. But the mom, Benita's mother, is not about that. She's like, no, he's not living here. So she kicks them all out. So they live, like on the streets a little, in a homeless shelter, and then eventually they get placed in low-income housing in the D.C. area, where the six of them live. And this, you know, is fine. They're going on. She's a decent enough mother until February 20... 20 the, 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 I was going to say 2017. 
Till February 2000, when Nathaniel dies from cancer. Bummer. Bummer. Yeah. Um, after Nathaniel dies from cancer, things kind of start to go downhill. How so? Well, at first, Benita and her family kind of become reclusive. Benita stops, like, going out and about so much. She didn't even attend his funeral. She didn't want to see anyone. Some people... She murdered him. Uh, no. He died from cancer. Can't fake that. I mean, you could. He could have cancer and then he could die and be like, oh, the cancer got him. No. He died from cancer. Some people said that she let, like, friends and family know that she didn't even tell her daughters that she died, that he died. That he just, like, left. Uh, so she was kind of in denial about it. And prior to Nathaniel's death, the four girls were always neat and tidy and out and about and things like that. But afterwards, neighbors barely saw the four girls. And when they did, they saw, like, the girls wearing, like, oversized t-shirts and they were kind of dirty and they were wearing rags on their heads instead of, like, clean brushed hair and everything like that. So people were a little concerned. Benita also kept the four girls from both sides of their grandparents. Benita's mother hadn't seen the children since 2005 and kept trying to call and get information and see them and check in on them, but uh, she wouldn't give her anything and she wouldn't let her in. And her mom even turned to social services and was like, Shit's up. Can you give me any information about my granddaughters? Like, I don't know nothing. I haven't seen them in years. Nathaniel's mother tried to come by the house to see her granddaughters, but Benita wouldn't let her in through the door, told her never to come back. Like, if she tried to call, she'd be like, don't call here, don't come. So nobody was allowed in there. And... Uh, the, the grandmothers were understandably concerned about this. In my mind, I've never ordered a Dark and Stormy from a, from a bar as you sip your Dark and Stormy. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote. But I feel like they're... It's Stormy, all right. They're darker or... Yeah. Than this. Light and Stormy. Yeah. Light and turbulent. Yeah. Um, March 2007... Brittany's boyfriend, because Brittany was born when uh, Benita was in high school, when she was 17. So at this point, you know, if she was born in 1974, Benita was, you know, we're in 2007, so. She's had a good long singing, She's 17. Long singing career so far. <laughs> She's like 16, yeah. She's got the snake on her shoulders. That's where we are in Perpetually life. sweaty. Right. Red jumpsuits. Uh. So in March 2007, Brittany's boyfriend saw her for the last time because she was taken out of school and this was like the ultimate reclusivity. I think I've used that word before and I don't know if it's real still, but this was like the ultimate because Benita took all of her girls out of school and Brittany's boyfriend just wasn't allowed to see her anymore. He tried to like text her or call her. He even tried to message her on MySpace. 2007? Mm-hmm. 
I guess I'm just out of touch with the times and I can't keep in track. When... No, I think Facebook was around, but maybe MySpace was still dying slowly. No, you know what? My fa- first Facebook profile picture, I think, was in 2007. I was going to say, like, I feel like I've had, like, things like you've been on MySpace or Facebook for, like, 11 or 12 years. Yeah, so MySpace is dying, but they're still using it, I guess. Um, so he's trying every single form of communication possible, and she's not responding. So he's upset, and the last time he saw her, she seemed really sad and distant. So that's no good. Um, because of the housing that they lived in, they like I said, they were given low-income housing from D.C., from like the different agencies in D.C. Because they were put in there, they were automatically assigned a social worker just because, you know. Who knows Mm -hmm. what what could happen in that environment. So Brittany's social worker, Kathleen Lopes. Like, it looks like it should be Lopez, but it's an S on the end. So Lopes. I don't know. Kathleen Lopes tried to see if Brittany was okay by calling the house, but nobody answered. Nobody's returning anybody's call, let alone the social worker's. So, on April 27th, 2007, Lopes came to the home with a police officer to come see if Brittany was okay, but Benita wouldn't let them in. They, like, peeked through the window, though, Mm -hmm. and saw two of the younger sisters in the living room, and they looked not great. So, this kind of made Lopes especially very concerned about the situation. Does it not give them, like police are able to enter a house if they see like evidence of a crime well so it wasn't as from what but it's like she's with the police officer and she's like those kids are like not being well taken care of were they able to enter a house because of that i'll get into this a little more the police does come in a couple days and i'm about to go over that but i will say that this whole entire situation was handled really poorly, which is unfortunate. So, yeah. So April 27th, she comes with a police officer. The girls don't look good, but he is not letting her in. April 30th, the police sergeant comes. So, yeah, moved higher up. Police sergeant James LaFranchise, mm-hmm. you know, he's a Planet Fitness or a McDonald's or something like that. Nice one. Yeah. Nice franchise joke. That wasn't great. It's low hanging fruit. Franchise. Franchise, you know? Franchise. Franchise to make a joke and she just doesn't. That was better than the franchise joke. Was it though? It was. It was also low hanging fruit. No, was it? Tries, chies? Whatever. Anyway, you wish your name was Fran. No. I mean, I guess my name would be spelt right then. Hmm. <laughs> So, Police Sergeant James LaFranchise visits the house on April April 30th, 2007. And, again, Benita's like, no, you can't come in. You can stand here on the porch. And he's like, yeah, okay. He's, like, good with that, I guess. Uh, He said in his report that he saw three of the four girls and thought he saw Brittany. But, you know, in his report he said he did. But later he said he wasn't sure. He says that the girls looked well enough to him. 
And even though he went into the went to the house on April thirtieth, two thousand seven, he didn't actually file his report until January 9th, two thousand eight. We got a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Well, no, don't make excuses for this. <laughs> he should have done it immediately. He didn't. He didn't say anything. He was just like, "Yeah, I went. The girls are fine. It's fine." Much much later at the trial, and ugh, we'll get to what actually happens i think i have an eyelash in my eye yeah drink it it'll make it'll knock it out of your eye mm-hmm. let, the, let those just hold up to your eye let the vapors Whoa. get in Ooh. much later at the trial he says he didn't actually see britney the quicker you finish that drink the quicker you can drink another drink <laughs> it's only so fast i can drink that so open your gullet Ugh. so he says at the trial he didn't actually see britney which is an inconsistency with what he originally said. When he came back to the office, he's like, yeah, I saw three girls. They looked fine. And I think I saw Brittany, I saw Brittany too, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when he actually did the trial, he was like, under oath. And he was like, no, I didn't see Brittany. Which is why they're there in the first place. But also, like, who's going to say anything contradictory to that? Because he's a sergeant. Yeah, but there's no other witnesses at that point except for... Well, yeah, but he's just sweeping it under the rug. Like, to him, this is unimportant in the list of things he has to do. He said, oh, yeah, I saw three kids. Okay, fine. Um, May 10th, 2007, Lopes writes a letter to Youth Social Services of D.C. saying that she thought that this wasn't good enough. And she feared that Brittany was being held hostage and mistreated. So... Kathleen Lopes is like my hero. She's like, nobody's doing this. I'm going to keep doing everything I can. What does she work for? She didn't, she, social she, services. No, she wasn't youth services. You say? No, she's a social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, this isn't okay. Something is wrong. Nobody's heard from her. Nobody's really seen her. Uh, and also, you know, she's... She's a good person. It seems like everybody else in this case is just sweeping it under the rug. So, bo 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 bo. Like I said before, after. <laughs> keep, I keep knocking it, trying to get it out of knocking range. After Nathaniel dies a year, a few years prior, Bonita starts becoming a recluse. Well, after May tenth and. You know, from this point forward, things start unraveling even more. One thing that people noticed that, like, couldn't go unnoticed is that in May 2007, Benita moves all of her furniture outside. Which is, like... Even the mahogany table. Not normal. You put it in your backyard. So she's moved all the furniture outside. She's lost a ton of weight, and she's asking neighbors for water and cigarettes, saying that she has cancer. Uh, neighbors smell a, a, an odor coming from her house and everyone's chalking it up to dead rats or dead rodents. And she's not able to pay her bills or anything for the low-income housing that she's been given. So on January 9th, 2008, federal marshals come to her house to evict her. And she answered the, answers the door only wearing a t-shirt. She's a little low on the totem pole for marshals to... Well, maybe they've Come. given her a few chances to be evicted, and it's not working. Yeah, but still, like she's uh, also in DC. 
Yeah, I still feel like they would send like DC Metro Police. I don't instead I, of marshals. I, I really don't know how it works. Yeah, maybe. Um, so she answers the door only wearing a t-shirt. Like, maybe not a good look. My parents went to Cancun and only only got me this. Yeah. Stupid t-shirt. Um. Yeah. That's probably it. Or one of those like boob shirts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It looks skinny. It's like yeah, or like. A man that says, like, kiss the cooker. I don't know. So she only is wearing a t-shirt and she refuses to let them inside, which is, like, her MO at this point. And they're like, we're federal marshals, bitch. No, it's Brittany. Yeah. And then she says it's Brittany, bitch. And they're like, no, but we're federal marshals. And pushes her out of the way. So they enter, even though she says no. And they smell a stank. And it's not just dead rat. Or not even dead rats. It's not dead rats at all. I mean, maybe there's some. I don't know. They go upstairs and they find the bodies of the three youngest girls, who at this point are age 5, 6, and 11. And they're lined up in age order. And in another bedroom, they find Brittany, age 17, naked in a pool of blood and a t-shirt has been draped on top of her. Uh, Tatiana, Nakia, and Aja had all been strangled, and Brittany had been stabbed repeatedly with the knife still laying by the body. Aja had also been bludgeoned, um, but this took a while to get all this information back because they were so decomposed that it was hard to tell, like, what was their ultimate cause of death. So they were in there for a really long time. Uh, Brittany was in there the longest. Um... Brittany died in May or June of 2007, according to the Emmys. So that's about six months prior to when she was found. And then the other ones died within about a week of each other later in the year. A week of Brittany or a week of... A week of each other. It was later in the year, but it was about a week of each other. So three weeks for the three girls. Benita, when asked, said that they all died in their sleep after she had stopped feeding them. But she tried to revive them, and it didn't work. Um, and she said she didn't call emergency services because she didn't trust emergency services to do the right thing. Uh, turns out that not only did these young girls pass away, uh, they were also mistreated when they were alive. Benita said that she and Nathaniel used to give Nakia and Aja, the two smallest girls, uh, marijuana all the time. And they would just sit there and watch them, you know, be high and laugh about that. She said that Brittany was a Jezebel possessed by demons. Nice. But the other girls were just, were also possessed. They just weren't. Jezebels. They weren't whores or whatever. When she said this all in court, she said that, she was completely sane and that she fully believed this. And she also believed that the weaker the girls got, the weaker the demons got. So that's why she stopped feeding them. Um, it seemed like most of the mistreatment was aimed at Brittany. Feces and urine were found in Brittany's bedroom. Uh, the room was locked from the outside and a bed sheet covered the window. So it suggested that she was locked in there at all times. After she was drawn out of school. 
And the reason for her putting her furniture outside was that she said, spirits and demons have a different smell, so little by little I had to get rid of everything since demons had infiltrated her home. So for her trial, it was kind of unique. She asked to not have a jury. She just wanted a judge to decide what happened. And when she got to court, she pled not guilty to all of the murders. And when her defense tried to get her an insanity defense, and she was like, demons are infiltrating my daughters in my home. She's like, no, I don't want that. And she denied it. It kind of sounded like she was acting as her own defense. Yeah, she was like pulling a little, um, what's his name? Charlie Kelly. No. Zac Efron. (laughs) Ted Bundy? Ted Bundy. I think her defense attorney easily could have gotten her an insanity plea. But because she refused it? She didn't get it. Yeah. She was like, no, don't use that. I'm not insane. So the judge, and there's interesting quotes from him. I didn't write any down, but he was like, this is kind of weird. Like, it's a very lonely trial, he said at one point. There's nobody helping him. But when he goes through it all, he gives her a bunch of charges. The main ones being four counts of murder, 30 years per murder. So a total of 120 years for the four girls. And her defense is like, okay, fine, but she has to serve them concurrently so that she would get out in 30 years. And the judge was like, "No, hell no. No. No way. And because she harmed juveniles, she has no opportunity for parole. So she's in prison forever. Unless she lives to be like 170, then good on her, I guess. That's it. That's the end of the story. (laughs) Like I said before, I mentioned this was like a bad situation. There were a lot of chances for this to have ended up differently than it did. Um, There were a lot of different agencies working on the situation and none of them really followed through 100% except freaking Kathleen, my favorite. Uh, The Washington Post had an article about it and this quote kind of sums up the issues with it. The family was supposed to receive monthly visits based on its housing placement. It never did. The school system didn't follow through when the girls dropped out of school. Police didn't fully investigate when they were called to the house and healthcare providers did not follow up on things that should have been red flags. So this is like a textbook case of like people sweeping things under the rug because it's some low income family and also they're people of color yep they're black yeah so they're like oh a black low-income family let's just like forget about it and there's so many different checks and balances oh i'm getting fired up (laughs) there's so many different checks and balances that could have happened and nobody cared and four girls died yep So it's like the perfect storm of failure from organizations and government and people not caring because maybe they're not privileged or maybe they're not white or whatever. Maybe it's a a single mom that like can't really support her girls so much and nobody cares. Was she getting monthly stipend or was she getting income She was a hairdresser. But I don't, after, when she became like a recluse, I think she was just not getting a whole lot. I don't know. So it's really frustrating. 
And the judge was like, there is no good outcome from this trial. Like, four girls died. That's it. Like, there's no justice. There's well, I mean, nothing. Well, the murderer is in prison until she dies. Yeah, but nobody's like, oh, thank God, the murder. You know, I mean, it was just all garbage. It could have been prevented. Like, a lot of things can be prevented. But there were so many chances to get these girls out of there. Anyway. The house was put up for sale in 2008. In one's bedroom upstairs in the closet, there was an etching on the wall that says, Yes, I do love mom, and next to it said, Love me. It was assessed to be $220,000 in property value, but they put it up for $163,000. Then it dropped to $90,000, and now it belongs to the bank because nobody wants it. Well, she might go back up again once the, uh, I mean, now. They might demolish it. Now it's definitely outside of the, uh, we got to tell you if there's murders here. I think they should demolish it. It's not a good house either. Like, they said that there's, like, drywall problems, the plumbing doesn't work, and it's, like, kind of falling apart. Fix your upper. Chip and Joanna. Oh, God. You listening? Chip? Joanna? Guys? I know you have a baby, but this house needs your attention. I know you really only do Texas, but D.C. is pretty close. D.C. is a burgeoning market. So that's the story of Benita Jacks and her four daughters. What are you doing? Read my story out. Oh. I got fired. Oh, you paused? No, still going. Oh. I'm going to fix my hair. That's... I got riled up there at the end, man. You're on the, uh, you got pretty glassy eyed. I know. I was in the brink of tears. I got so angry reading this story. These poor girls can't even defend themselves, and they're people who were supposed to help them just didn't. They didn't. Nobody did. You can learn from it and move on. It's about as much as you can do. Yeah. Not think it's right? No, I know you don't think it's right, obviously. Okay, what do you have for me? Children? There are children involved. Okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say the name of where it, it takes place. I figure by the end of it, you'll, or at least by the middle. By the end of it, I'll know what we just talked about. Yeah, either that okay. or the halfway through, you'll know about it. Okay. Maybe in the beginning. All right. Number twenty-six, nineteen fifty-one. Ronald DeFeo Jr. is born. This is what got you into it. Oh, I know already. He's the oldest. Oh, I already. I know. Wait, are you doing all parts of it? Uh, most of it. Oh my god! Wait, are you doing the? Oh my god! 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 I'm so excited. Oh, true crime fans out there are just like salivating. Excuse me, I had to blow my nose again. Oh, I know. Halfway through, you don't give me enough credit. I'm so um, Ronald DeFeo Jr., born September 26, 1951, is the oldest of five kids uh, that were born to Ronald DeFeo Sr. And where is his wife? Luis and Luis. Um, Ron DeFeo Sr. worked as a Buick dealer and Luis was a stay-at-home mother. Uh, she stayed at home with the other kids, Dawn, Allison, Mark, and John Matthew. Does Buick still exist? Yeah, I think so. It's not like Pontiac. It's not a dying breed. Or Saturn. 
That's not a name I've heard in a while. That died. It did die. Did Saab die? Saab's still going, I think. Ron DeFeo Sr. had a temper problem. Um, he did well as a salesman, but this was likely due to his overpowering and demeaning demeanor. <laughs> what? Demeaning demeanor. That's not even the word I wrote, but that's the word we're going with. I love it. Also, I'm definitely picturing the dad from Matilda because I don't know what these people look like. Danny DeVito? Well, yeah, but like sleazy and fat. and. I actually don't actually, from the top of my head, I don't know what he looks like either. Yeah. I didn't look at pictures of him. An angry car salesman. Um, he often fought with his wife. Um, I didn't see any um, indication it was ever physical, just like verbal altercations. Um, and he occasionally lashed out at kids at times. Ron DeFeo Jr. was um, the main target of this, lashing out. Uh, he was slightly overweight, so he had trouble at school as well as at home. Um, and this led to him lashing out to people that were around him also. Mm. In an effort to appease and minimize the uh, his lashing out, the family started giving him like gifts. and uh, The dad? The dad and like the mom was like, here's like an allowance, here's like stuff. Oh my stuff. God. Don't like... Don't hurt us. Oh, Don't Jesus be an asshole. Jesus Christ. You shouldn't get an allowance after you're like 13. Why? You should be making your own money once you turn 14. So after 14 then? No, after 13. Like 13 you get money, then after 13 you don't. Mm. So basically still after 14 though. Like well, once 14 you become... onwards. So this... Grumpy fat car salesman can make his own dough, you know. Um, yeah, uh, I'm just gonna. I don't know if it's easier for me to call him Junior, maybe it's easier for me to call him Junior. Just from sure, Junior and Senior, Junior, Senior. Uh, don't stop, don't stop the beat to go. Stop, can't stop the beat, it won't stop, won't stop the beat. Is that Junior, Senior? Is that supposed to be something? Yeah, it's by Junior, Senior. Oh, I don't know the name of the artist. Junior started leaning on drugs and alcohol to cope with the stressors at home and school and as well as work when we get there because he'll eventually get like gifted a position at the Buick dealership to be like, what a gift, appease you and give an outlet for his stuff, I guess. So he started leaning on heroin and LSD as you do in the uh, Buick industry, the 70s. Oh, <laughs> what was that? So he, uh, his father would eventually give him a quote-unquote job at the dealership where he was paid regardless of his appearance at work. Junior's appearance. Yeah. Doesn't show up for a week, still getting paid for that week. Nuh-uh. What is wrong with this family and the, the importance of a dollar? Here's an allowance. Here's some money for not showing up. I mean, it's still like... A, job i mean it's, it's nepotism is what it ends up coming down to but no nepotism is him getting hired for that try and then kim stick yeah. keeping the job for his shitty work right um obviously his relationship with his father was strained at times um from his verbal altercations at home and then a bad work environment there were reports of junior starting to embezzle from the company Mm. He also then began purchasing guns and once threatened his friend with uh, a gun during a hunting trip. Oh, that's not how you make friends. 
Bumble How Have you ever threatened a friend with a shotgun to make friends? <laughs> I've only held a shotgun like once and it was with you. And I didn't turn it on you. Uh, more than once. You did a cranberry lake once. No, I didn't. No. I only used the rifle. Oh. Um, Ron DeFeo Sr. and his wife were once in an argument. They were arguing between each other, and then Junior pulled a gun on his father and pulled the trigger, but the gun misfired. And sh- shot where? Nowhere? It, just, it, it, it didn't it pulled, go? Yeah, it didn't go. Just for whatever reason. Dumb luck. Uh, news of the embezzlement eventually would get out, and the police came around to talk to Junior, who obviously was unhappy that people are onto him. And then after this, he allegedly threatened to kill his father. Although nobody ever thought twi- twice about that. Okay, but at this point, he's already, like, pulled the trigger. Okay. Yeah, but, I mean, it's like your now family's afraid of you, and they're, what are they going to do? Give you an allowance. He has a gun. If you, like, try to make a move against him, he's probably going to do something. Right. I suddenly couldn't focus on my screen. Drink it away. That's what happens with contacts. Yep. Um, around 6.30 p.m. on November 13th, 1974, Junior came running into Henry's bar, claiming that his parents had been shot. Um, so he took a couple bar patrons back to his house and found that his, his parents had, in fact, been killed. I have a question. Are you just going to go this whole time without saying the location? That's fine. I know where we are. It's up to you. Just curious. I want to see your style. You do you, boo. I mean, yes, I want I I want to, right, but right, also right. the people wait. that have Suspense. the people that don't know. Suspense. So he found that his uh, parents had been killed and the police were called in to investigate the matter. So when the police arrived throughout the house, they found the bodies of the remaining family members. All had been shot with a 36 Marlin rifle, and all were determined uh, time of death was around 3 a.m. on no- November 13th. So about 13, 14 hours after he had come into the bar. Mm. Prior. Yes. Um, while on the scene, Junior suggested that this may have been the work of a mob hitman named Louis Fellini. And he was then taken in for protection from this supposed hitman. Um, Police noted inconsistencies in his story. And after determining that Fellini had an out-of-state alibi, Junior confessed to uh, killing his family as they slept. (sighs) So they determined that the family had all been killed around 3 a.m., 3.15 in the morning. Um, So between 3 a.m. and 6.30 at night, he had been able to dispose of crucial um, evidence including like bloody shirts and hiding the gun yeah and things like that and cleaning up right any other stains that might have implicated him right um throughout his time with um in police custody custody incarceration whatever his story would change multiple times um in a few stories he had his sister dawn killing his entire family or she killed his father and then she then was like, oh, I, we, have to, we, kill, we have to kill all the other kids so they're not witnesses. And right. then after she killed all the kids, he killed, he killed her. Um, there's also a scenario where he, where Dawn killed his father and then his distraught mother killed the rest of the kids. And then Junior killed his mother. Hmm. And it's just like a whole... 
isn't the, messed up scenario. Isn't the littlest one like tucked in bed? We are about to get there. Oh, sorry. Mm-mm-mm. Maybe. Where did I write it? Um, I guess I didn't write it down in a bullet point, but all of the, um, his mother, his father, and his siblings were all found face down in bed. There was no sign of any movement of the bodies or any activity prior to death. So that co- that'll come into question a little later. But uh, the trial began October 14th, 1975. Uh, his d- defense team attempted the insanity plea, seeing that, uh, saying that he heard voices. Where, Meanwhile, the prosecution was saying that because Junior was using heroin, LSD, and already had an antisocial, antisocial personality disorder, and that he was aware that he was like fully culpable for all of his crimes, so the um, defense or the insanity plea didn't work. Okay, but how how do how are they all in bed? Who knows? Did he, did he have a silencer? Um. Can you put a silencer on a rifle? Yeah. It's like a couple bullet points down, but like someone should have heard something. Someone should have w- woken up from and like gotten out of bed. A rifle being fired yeah. in the house multiple times. Hmm. But police found no evidence of a suppressor ever being on the gun or anywhere in the house. So you just don't know what they speculate there must have been at least one other shooter. Oh. But he's changed his story so many times, always saying that his sister was involved, sometimes saying there was another like two other friends involved. Hmm. Um To this day they still don't know. Yeah, he's still changes his stories. Wow. November twenty first, nineteen seventy five, he was found guilty on six counts of second degree murder. And on December 4th, he was sentenced to six counts of the secondary murder with each with 25 years to life on them. He is still in Greenhaven Correctional Facility in Beekman, New York. And his parole attempts have all been turned down. Good. So like I said, all the victims were found laying face down in their beds. There was no sign of struggle or any... Um, sedatives in their bodies, toxicology showed nothing. Um, it's weird. Yeah. Well, it must have been somebody else. Yeah, that's what people are speculating. There must have been at least one other person there. Um, Junior made another claim that he, Dawn, and two other friends did it, um, did the murders, um, in 2000 when he was talking to an author named Rick Osuna. He claims that Dawn killed the kids, and then after him, after Dawn had killed the kids, he's like, what did you do that for? He killed her. Hmm. But even still, that doesn't explain why there was no signs of movement of the body's post-mortem. Isn't that a movie? Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, yeah. It's a... Zombies? George Romero movie. Yeah, zombies. Dawn of the Dead. Um, There were some also early reports... After uh, police were investigating the area that said Dawn had um, gunshot residue on her nightgown, indicating she may have fired a rifle or fired a gun at some point. Huh. I don't know if that how that translates between like her being shot huh. and then getting gunshot residue on her or yeah, her pulling the trigger. So in 2000, he said that him, Dawn, two other friends had killed his entire family. He would then later change the story and say that he never gave any of that information to the author. Saying like that author just made all that stuff up and I, I never said any of that. Yeah. Um, fun fact. Um, 
Junior's father. Senior. Father's uncle. Okay. So his great uncle. Junior's father's uncle. Yeah. His dad's uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Great uncle. Um, Pete DeFeo was a capo regime in the Genovese crime family. So it's like that's like two down, two levels down from like the dawn of that family. Hmm. Um. So there might have been some validity in like a hitman coming to the right. house. What was the age? Do you know the age difference between him and Don? Um, Don was 18 when he went away or when he did the murders. He was 23. Oh, okay. There were some, i trying to remember if it was like, some people made a, wrote a book or a, there was like similarities between that or a movie that said there was a possibly incestu- incestuous relationship between the Ooh. two of them. But that's, he's never said anything like that. Ew. Uh, no. I don't know. So at this point, if you don't know, I'm talking about the Amityville Horror House at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. place called Ocean Avenue. So about 14 months later, December 19th, 1975, George and Kathy Lutz moved into the house with their three kids and stayed there for approximately 28 days. Also 28 days later. Oh. It's not a basis for, but I just, in my notes, I wrote wrote, wrote 28 days later. I really hate it. Um, they stayed there for 28 days before they ran out of the house saying it was haunted and they were experienced demonic activity there. So I'm just going to quickly run over some of the things that they say happened there. I mean, you can't do the Amityville house without the Amityville horror. Um, so when they bought the house, they bought it for, I think it was on the market for 80000 mm-hmm. Um, And they obviously had to disclose that murders yeah. had happened there within the year, yeah. within a year and a half. I didn't do the calculations for the conversion rate, but it is on the market again. Currently? A news article that I just saw, it was selling for 800000 Yeah, I'm not surprised. But when George and Kathy Lutz moved in, a lot of the DeFeo furniture was still in the house just because nobody did anything with yeah. it after they had been murdered. Um, they even, The couple heard about what happened in the house, and they had a priest come in and, like, Bless the house, do an right. exorcism on the house to try to get rid of any, um, any spirits that may have been around. Mm-hmm. Um, p- upon beginning of the exorcism, a priest heard a male voice tell him to get out. And then the father left. And a few days later called George to tell him to stay out of the room that he heard the male voice in, which happened to be um, the three younger boys' rooms. Um, what was their name again? Uh, Mark, John Matthew and ron oh. yeah ron De, ron defeo jr yeah. um the father would return a couple days later to do another exorcism and he this is father with a capital e. f yeah capital H. Uh, father of in the church <laughs> yeah yeah okay okay he returned and got uh, developed a fever and then developed stigmata like blisters on his hands Ew. which are like where christ would have had stakes through his hands on oh, the cross really? yeah oh that's gross nasty Don't um, come back and george lutz would apparently or allegedly wake up at 3 15 every morning which is they determined about the time that the entire family was murdered the house was filled with flies despite it being december slash january children uh, the three new kids from the Lutz's family started sleeping on their stomachs, just as the DeFeo kids had Died. been murdered. Yeah, oh green slime oozed from the walls. <laughs> no, it didn't. No, it didn't. SpongeBob. Yep. 
Why does SpongeBob come up in like every episode? Nosferatu. <laughs> um, there are multiple other instances. The um, they really start losing the thread when they talk about like um, I already forgot her name. They had like there was like a pig creature. Um, I'm blanking on her name. I didn't write it down, but there was pig, like like American Horror Story kind of deal. Yeah, it was like a pig demon thing that would play with uh, the Lutz's youngest child. Wow, gross. Um, one of the Lutz's sons claims that he was possessed by um, a something uh, a la The Exorcist. Ooh. Uh, both George and Kathy took a lie detector test and both passed. Somewhat in some eyes showing that there was they either they fully believed or they were telling the truth. But the lawyer for Ron DeFeo Jr. claims that he was approached by the Lutzes with their idea for a book saying that we created this horror story over many bottles of wine and that it's a hoax. Mm. And got the kids to do it. You know what psychologists say? If there's more than three, you can't keep a secret. That's true. And there's also that um, like group thing idea that like if everyone in like a group is acting a certain way, everyone else will just like follow suit just like blindly. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's the Amityville Horror House. If you want to, there's two movies out there. One with Ryan Reynolds and one with two other people that I don't remember. We saw the Ryan Reynolds one. I don't think we watched all of it. No, it was garbage. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to stick to... um, Deadpool? uh, Deadpool 2. Like Deadpool 2 better? (laughs) A ton better. Despite his wife being murdered. Life happens. But also, you can read the book if you so choose. Wow. That they wrote? The Lutzes? Yeah. Our Life on Ocean Avenue? Fun fact, I was going to, like, uh, they call it Boy State. It was up at Morrisville, SUNY Morrisville. Uh-huh. And I was reading that book on the bus up from Long Island to there, and I left it on the bus. And it was a library book, and I've never been back to the library since because <laughs> I owe them a lot of money, probably. <laughs> Alex can't show his face on the library anymore. He's not allowed. He's not allowed. Wow. I wonder. I'm um, hopefully at some point they're they're able to forgive that debt. No, I think they just charge you like they keep some total of like a thousand dollars and call it a day. And that I mean at that point they could just buy a new book and then just like we got the book back. We don't Wait, have to worry is it about your it. Local library. Yeah, I had the library by my family's house when I'm going. Okay. Do you want something fun? That was amazing, by the way. I was so excited. You said DeFeo. <coughs> I know this. So, yeah, coming from Long Island, I would say that's probably what got me into true crime. There's also another one I might do in a not-so-future episode. Yeah. Big ones? No, not relatively. Oh. I mean, Amityville Horror is a relatively big story in terms of true crime. Yeah. Well, yeah, and paranormal. Do you have any STFUs? Jody. Jody was the name of the pig. Oh. Yep. Just remembered. Good to know. Yes, no? No, I got that bus one, but it's like a half thought. Okay. So, Bo, Bo, Bo. Um, I was walking around Cornell campus one day. Because when you live in Ithaca, Cornell infiltrates every aspect of your life. So at some point, you will find yourself on Cornell campus, right? 
You know. I know. Everyone knows. Yeah, I was there on Wednesday. Yeah, right. And when I was walking around, this is a little bit ago, I was walking around right before, no, right after slope day, which if, I think probably most of our listeners don't know what it is. Slope day is the end of the year concert that's after the last day of classes at Cornell, and they have a concert, and everyone stands out on the lawn and gets wasted. It's a big deal. I don't quite get it, but whatever. So I was walking around after slope day, and I hear these two... Bros. No. One's a girl. I think they're two girls. Uh, Yeah. Two girls talking. No, no, no. I'm sorry. A girl and a guy. Now I remember. A couple. No. Brother, sister. I, I don't know. They look like friends. And they're having a conversation about drinking alcohol. It's awesome. You might learn something new. (coughs) So the girl goes, I barely had anything to drink, but then I got tipsy because I was around drunk people. The guy goes, oh yeah, drunk by proxy. I know about that. It's wild. And she goes, yeah, if I had had a half a beer anywhere else or by myself, I would have been totally sober. You heard about drunk by proxy? You know, when not, like you're... Not, not nomenclature, but I'm aware of like, if you think you're drinking beer. Oh my gosh. Please tell me you're not putting any validity in this. No. I'm, what on earth? Yes, I know. I I feel like if you were to give somebody a beer and be like, here's this beer. And if you like secretly hand them a no duels. No, she had half... What? And then oh, they, like they, they believe, yeah, they believe they're drinking alcohol. They're going to act like they're drunk. Or there they had been drinking. So in that sense, it's drunk by proxy. It's also placebo effect. But she knew how much she was drinking. Allegedly. She might say half a, half of a beer, but she could have been doing shots and just forgot about that. What? <laughs> You know what I love is you just like ration your way through everything. This yeah. girl is talking about drunk by proxy, where you drink one amount by yourself and one amount with drunk people, and you're more drunk with the drunk people than you are by yourself, even though you're containing. I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. You're just you're just crucifying her immediately. I'm not crucifying her. I'm laughing about STFU. <laughs> I've never experienced drunk by proxy. I'm sorry. I should try it sometime. I should have half of a cider by myself and half of a cider in a crowd of drunk yeah, people. We can go to the haunt. For, for 80s and 90s night? Yeah. Even though like all the bands they listed were all like 90s and 2000s. That sounded like a garbage time. Anyway, it was... The guy was just like, oh yeah. It's not like she was like... If you know, you had I was in... drunk by proxy. She, he was just like, oh, yeah, drunk by proxy. I know about that. Well, he could also been in the same mind space. So like, what the fuck is she talking about? But I got to agree with her. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to. I have no idea. Get in the I don't jeans. know how you get. Ooh. I have no idea how you get through that conversation with a straight face. But, you know, they both did. Approximate ages. I have no idea. Freshmen, seniors. 
I don't know. They all look the same to me. They could have been grad students for all I know. They all look the same. Yeah. Better than the graph. Overheard at Cornell. Should be a Twitter. Probably is. Probably. Anyway. So that's that's that. That was that. That was episode 13. 13. A couple weeks before Juneteenth. What? It's on my calendar. Oh, yeah. That is a thing. It's like the 19th or something. I have no idea. I don't really understand it. I looked it up once. I forgot. I've forgotten what yeah, it is. Yeah, I've also forgotten. I think I knew at 1.2. 1. 1.2, 5, 6, 9. This is almost the last day of May. Happy almost last day of May, Bay. <coughs> I'm never going to call you Bay again. Don't get used to it. Thanks for listening. Yeah, that's over. We said it last time, but it's now it's over two months. No, it's over three months. Yeah, that Alex one. Alex and Math, they're great. If you want to find us on social media. Social at Sad Tales Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Sad Tales Podcast at gmail.com for SCFU or write-ins. Write-ins or stories. Stories or anything you want. Just to say hi. Yeah. Uh, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Sad Tales Podcast. Yeah. We have multiple supporting levels. Yeah. I'll give you. Uh, access to our additional podcast where we talk about the supernatural subject for 20 to a half an hour yeah so head on over there check us out support us we support you from afar we love you and 14 will be coming your way yeah and if you're a patron we'll be back with you wednesday roger that aye cap to in america See you either Wednesday or next Saturday.